Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Being a new social worker, clinician, or therapist can be intimidating when there's people coming to you for their therapy and looking to you for help. I know when I graduated with my master's, I had all of this education behind me. I have so many classes, and yet I still didn't know where to start. I wasn't very confident in my skills in how do I actually guide this person through the therapeutic process? What does that really look like in real life? So I was trying to organize all of my notes from grad school, trying to get all of my textbooks, and it was just a hot mess. Right out of grad school, you are expected to provide mental health services for new patients. Your employer wants you to create a care plan and they expect you to have professional sounding documentation. I mean, you have your master's, right? That's an expectation after grad school. But sometimes these aren't really covered in grad school. I don't know about you, but I never took a documentation class. This was all learned in the field. And eventually, I did learn it, but it took me a long time. When I first started, I was just all in my head. Where do I even start? Can I do this? Who am I to help this person? I don't really remember them covering this in grad school. And how am I supposed to professionally document what I'm doing? Or even worse, you don't even apply for the jobs that you're qualified for because you're too intimidated. So I was there too, and it took me years of trial and error to figure all of this out. And even with an amazing supervisor, it was still a struggle. So this is the way that it has been going in social work until now. Things are about to change because it should not take you years to learn how to guide a client through the therapeutic process. So this is why I teamed up with my colleague, Leslie. So we have taken what we have learned and condensed it into six hours for you. We cover all of the things that may not have been taught in grad school, maybe you weren't paying attention, or maybe you just need a refresher. It's taken from our perspectives as community mental health and medical social work experts. So in the Clinical Essentials for Future Therapists, we cover all of the things that you need to know to take your clients from 
beginning to end through the therapeutic process. We start with how to complete an initial assessment and what do you cover in your initial assessment. We next go into professional documentation. What are you supposed to be including in your notes and how do you word the interventions that you just used? The therapy modalities and how to find yours. How to use the cognitive model in therapy sessions for maximum impact. Next, we do cover therapeutic skill sets for powerful therapy sessions in case you get stuck or in case you just need to dig a little bit deeper in with your client. And lastly, termination. Terminating with your client in a healthy and efficient way. All of this is covered in our virtual course and coaching hybrid. It's pre-recorded, so you can watch it whenever you can. We know that you are a busy student, busy professional. There's a lot going on, so we pre-recorded it for you so that you can watch it on your own time. And in addition, the best part is that we also include live Zoom calls that you can talk with Leslie and I, ask your questions, and see a role play of the therapy modalities and a role play of the things that are covered in the module so that you don't just know the information, but you have seen the information actually put into progress. It just allows for a more personal and unique experience so that by the end of the course, you feel more confident and you know at least where to start with your client and you feel like you have the tools that you need to really guide them through an effective therapeutic process. So this is for you if you are a new graduate entering a therapeutic role, if you are a professional who may be new to one-on-one clinical therapeutic settings, maybe you're pursuing a career change from macro to a clinical setting and you just need a refresher. This is also good for clinicians who are already working one-on-one with clients, but you want to learn other forms of the therapeutic applications. This is also for you if you are a clinician who wants to connect, network, and get more support from other social workers in the field. If this sounds like something that would be helpful for you, see the show notes for the link to register. Registration is open September 20th. I hope to see you there. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. This is Catherine here. And today I'm very excited because we are going to be talking about how Christine Kennedy used her multiple passions to overcome burnout. And I feel like this is just one way that we need to be looking at burnout. It's it's such a multifaceted topic. And I know for me personally, you know, I just when I first started, I love 
social work so much. I loved the work that I did. I loved helping people. I heard these talks about burnout and I was like, Psh, whatever. That's for other people. That's never going to happen to me. So I'm just wondering, do you feel like you love social work so much that you're never going to get burnt out? Or are you currently feeling less passionate than when you started? Maybe you're feeling tired or maybe you're even feeling stuck. I get it. I've been there too. And what I want you to know right now here today is that you do not need to stay there. You don't need to stay there. Whatever kind of guilt trip you're kind of trying to put on yourself, stop. Stop. It is not helping anybody. So you don't need to stay there. Today, we're going to talk with Christine Kennedy. She's an LMSW, a mom, a school social worker, a private therapist, and a health fanatic. We talk about what burnout actually looks like. We share our own personal stories. You know, her and I give some details that we haven't shared before to show you or let you listen, I guess, to what burnout actually looks like and what are the biggest things that you can do to prevent and overcome burnout. So she shares her personal story about how starting building her physical strength actually helped to improve her mental strength. And lastly, she's going to give you some personal tips, especially for new social workers, to not lose your passion for the career that you've worked so hard for. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Christine. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited for this. Yes, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me on Social Workers Rise. And thank you for connecting. I, I feel like it was you who reached out to me. And I just love that you are all about wellness. <laughs> thank you. Well, I have to say I have been searching to try and connect with more social workers and you were one of the first um, you know, pages that came up and I love what you're doing for our field. I think it's such a, a phenomenal thing to do. Well, thank you. Yes, I'm, I love it. I just love social work. I love social workers. I love everything about the field. There's things that need to be, you know, tweaks here and there, <laughs> but it's a process and, you know, we just got to show up for it. Um, and, and I feel like wellness is one of those areas that I definitely need more of in my life. <laughs> I'm missing it a little <laughs> bit, especially since the pandemic. Um, yes. I feel like we'll jump into that. I'm, I'm just curious to get to know you you know, your Instagram profile says that you're a mom of three, you're a dog mom, soccer mom. Is that a dance mom too? <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's it's a little bit crazy over here, but I love every minute of it. Yeah, I am um, a mom of three. I actually have a teenage daughter now, so getting her up before noon is quite difficult. Um, going back to school will be very interesting. And I have two boys. Um, one is in third grade and one is going into second. So it's, it's been an amazing time this summer getting to spend so much time with them and 
they keep us very active. I'm sure that sounds exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I have one and I'm just like, oh my gosh, by seven (laughs) o'clock every day. I think they say, you know, when you get to more than two, you're outnumbered and, you know, you kind of just say, okay, let's just go for it. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's definitely a team approach. I'm sure. Yes. Oh my gosh. So what led you to social work in the first place? So it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, you know what? I can't really pinpoint a specific thing. And then I was kind of going through stories in my head and I was like, you know, I can completely pinpoint a topic area as to what brought me to social work. And really, you know, growing up for me, I grew up with a single a single household family it was my mom my older sister and and I don't know if you know this Catherine but I'm a twin um twin sister Jenny and I found it fascinating the way you know being that I'm a twin that the way things impacted her versus the way they impacted me um, especially when it came to social emotional things and and more environmental things like divorce Um, you know, school was really hard for her. Uh, and as a twin, obviously I tried to do as much as I could, but I kind of felt like more could have been done. And I always realized like in that area, if we could talk about it more as at younger ages, maybe we could prevent other things from happening in adulthood, which is kind of some stuff that I had been seeing. Um, so it's really that area and that my, my upbringing that brought me to it. My aunt became a school social worker when I was a teenager and I was fascinated because we didn't really have them growing up. Um, or if you had a school social worker, you didn't know where the office was. Um, (laughs) did they have, (laughs) I don't know. Um, but I felt like, you know, it brought me to wanting to be a school social worker and to take that stigma away from feelings because I felt like growing up, it was kind of like shove feelings aside and I wanted to make it okay to talk about these things. Cause I know for me, when I talk about it or work through things, it makes life so much easier. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense, but there wasn't really a certain point. It was kind of watching and, and, you know, loving to see how different things happen with different people in the same situations. Yeah. It sounds like you have just been intrigued with the psychological aspects and you're not scared of feelings. You're you welcome them and want to talk about them. And it sounds like your aunt was a really great influence in your life and opened up your eyes to the possibility of a school social worker. Yeah, I actually had a second aunt that became a school social worker later on in life, too. And I was like, wow, we uh, we're really going to support this field. And I, I love it. You know, I and it's funny you say that, you know, I love to talk and I love to talk about feelings because my husband <laughs> would say the same exact thing. Um, but it's it's I, I absolutely love it. That's amazing. So has your experience in social work, has that only been with, with school social work? No, 
I always wanted to be a school social worker and I always wanted to have a private practice. Um, but when I went through college and I went through grad school, I spent a lot of time in um, group, group counseling centers. I spent some time in nursing homes um, and I loved more the inpatient drug and alcohol um, rehab units. Uh, addiction runs in my family, so I really wanted to get a better understanding of, you know, the use of it and, you know, just really dive into it there. And the best way to do that is to just go in, you know, hands on. So I loved getting those experiences and I felt like I was able to take those experiences with me and I became a school social worker in uh, 2001. It's been almost 20 years. It's crazy. Wow. So do you feel like your previous experiences, you know, for example, in the rehab unit, do you feel like that has been beneficial and helpful for your work now as a school social worker? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, the education, you know, and the understanding of most people who are using drugs and alcohol, they're not starting as adults, you know, um, and it goes back to being in the school and that prevention. I'm a huge advocate of, of prevention. You know, I think health and wellness is an all around thing, not just a physical thing. Um, and, you know, I think that, it just, um, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. So health and wellness is a, is not just, um, a spiritual thing or not just, a yeah, physical no, thing. It's a spiritual right. Thing. It's not just a physical thing and being in the schools, but being able to talk about it and be open about, you know, the, the prevention and the education and talk about different ways, you know, to do things that we don't go to that numbing out, having that experience in that inpatient um, unit was a game changer for me, you know, and I've been able to use it. I was able to five years ago, open up my own private practice on top of being a school social worker. And now I use all of my experiences over the past 20 years um, to, to help make that thrive. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. That's amazing. That is completely fascinating to me. (laughs) I love that. So thank you. So you've done, it sounds like you've done a lot and it sounds like you've been a school social worker for the longest time. Is that right? Yeah, I've been, I'm going into my, almost my 20th year. It's, It's, yeah, it's been a long time, but I really have expanded my population and my practice um, to work with not just students as a school social worker, but I've expanded my practice to work with moms and athletes, counselors, and really all other caregivers. Uh, you know, I felt like, you know, as caregivers and as social workers, I feel like that's one of our, our intrinsic behaviors as we love to help other people but we oftentimes forget about ourselves, you know, until we're on empty, you know, so I I work with people now who are in our situations to make sure that we fill up our own cup first and help others through our overflow where oftentimes we used to, you know, just help everybody else and forget and hope that our, our helping others would be what fills us up, but it kind of, it has to go the other way. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And, And I feel, you know, you're talking about burnout. I feel like it's so important to recognize the signs. I know for me personally, they talked about burnout in my grad school. They're like, don't get burnt out. Don't let that happen to you. But 
I didn't even really know what it was. I, I remember distinctly one day thinking to myself, that is never going to happen to me because I love social work and I love helping people. So it's just never going to happen to me. And I would, you know, brush it off. And until one day I was just, I was done. I was ugly crying, washing the dishes. And I felt <laughs> like I did not, I had so much work to do. Like I could not even, and I couldn't, I felt like I didn't have time to sit and watch a movie. I didn't know how to relax anymore. So how, you know, for you and you seeing all of these people and the caregivers and these helping people, you know, what does it look like? Like, how does someone know that they're burnt out? You know, what are their, the signs and symptoms? Uh, you know, it, I was thinking about this and I felt the exact same way as, as you were just exp- describing, you know, I'm never going to get burnt out. I have such a passion for helping others that there's no way that this will occur uh, until that day happened. And it was five years ago. And I remember because I started, I said, I have to do something. And it really started all from, you know, the personal journey of getting stuck. And it was my son's, my middle guy's third birthday that I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to make a switch. And it was, you know, you ever see like those pictures where you see, you know, a person spinning all of these plates? Well, the reality of it is we can't have all these plates spinning at the same time. Something has to give a little bit. Um, And I found that I was giving myself to too many plates and I left my plate unattended, you know, and it just kind of broke and that was it. Um, And and you have to find a way to figure out to move forward from that. And for me, being stuck felt like it really started to impact my home life. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happened and then it was impacting me even more, I was like, the only way that we're going to stop this is if I start with myself again. You know, so we have, some we oftentimes think we have to start at the end, and usually we have to start at the beginning, and that's starting with ourselves. Um, so I really reached out. I reached out to a friend, and I asked her for help. And you know, we started a small group for like-minded people, and we set goals for for each other each month, and we work towards them, and we lead by example, and and we lean in when we need to. Um, you know, but. For me, I think support and community are two of the biggest things to prevent burnout. Um, I've played I've played soccer for 35 years now, and I absolutely love the team aspect of things. I don't know many social workers that don't like being around other people. Um, you know, we we really enjoy that that camaraderie and when we can find each other and lift each other up, it really helps prevent that burnout. Yes. Yes. I agree. And, and one of my, one of my, I don't want to say beef, but one of my beefs with social work or, you know, the little things that need to be tweaked and something that has rubbed me the wrong way ever since I heard it was the phrase or the saying that social workers are superheroes. What is your superpower? And I feel like that narrative puts so much pressure on us. I mean, like for me, I don't feel like a superhero. I feel like a normal person who has, who knows a lot about mental health and wellness and about my particular area, but I definitely don't feel like a superhero. And I, when I hear that, 
I think to myself, well, if these, if my other colleagues and my other social work, you know, cohort, if they can feel like this, why don't I feel like that? And is there something wrong with me that I can't, you know, do this or act like this? And I don't know how you feel about, about that, but that's just been my take on it. No, I think, you know, it's, I, I focus more on, and I think, you know, we tend to, if we can focus more on those smaller things, you know, when you're saying superpower or superhero, again, it's like you said, it's putting all of that pressure on you to do all for everybody. You're going to fix everything. And the reality is we can't do that. Um, you know, we, we work on ourselves and we lead by example um, and we go from there, but everybody is their own work in progress. And I think when we try and compare ourselves to other people, whether you're a social worker comparing yourself to another social worker or you're a parent comparing yourself to another parent, like that's when the stuckness happens, if that's even a word. <laughs> but I find, you know, if we can stay in our own our own vision, our own journey, our own channels and work side by side, it's not that anybody's you know, has more super powers or super anything over anybody together, we work. Yes, yes, I totally Yeah, that makes sense. So the way you mentioned two things, you said the biggest things that you use to prevent burnout or to overcome burnout was relationships and connection. Is that right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. So can you and then also, it sounds like too that your playing sports was really helpful for you too. So I'd love to know, you know, exactly what did you do when you, when you realized you're burnt out, you know, how did you overcome that? And what did that look like for you? Sure. Well, um, you know, soccer for me was such a huge outlet growing up. You know, I said, I've, I've played for 35 years. I played in college, but it really came at a critical time when my parents were getting that divorce where I felt a sense of family. I felt a sense of community in that team, you know, sport of soccer. So having that connection from the young age and it doesn't, you know, whatever it is, wherever you find your connection, having something to connect to, you know, enables you to have an outlet. So for me, you know, using the exercise became an outlet for any, stress or negative feelings that I had. And I, I brought that on into, into adulthood. Um, you know, when I got stuck and, and burnt out, which I think, you know, a lot of moms can probably relate to parenting is the most difficult job in the world. Um, and when I had my third, I just, I physically didn't feel good, which led to me mentally and emotionally not feeling good. And I felt unmotivated for the first time as a social worker. And to me, like you said, like that's never going to happen. Um, so I, like I said, I, I leaned into a friend and I reached out and, you know, we started with, with one small step at a time. And I, I worked on my physical first because I think that, you know, we have to have the physical strength in order to push through the emotional strength. I think there's a balance between, between each, you know, and I go back and forth at times, if I'm going through a roadblock or if there's an emotional struggle, my physical may be impacted a little bit, but my goal since I started my journey is to just decrease the amount of time I spend in the wiggle area. And, you know, I, like I said, I started with 
one, one step at a time. And I took off the 55 pounds, which made me feel better, which made me move more, which brought my emotional state up. And then I was able to start working on some more of my other goals that I wanted to do. You know, so it's those small steps and having that support, you know, I think that we're so oftentimes afraid to lean in and ask for help. You know, when we started talking, we started talking about technology and, you know, how do you, how to even do a podcast and, you know, I reached, I reached out to you because I found it fascinating that you were already doing it and your openness and willingness to share right back with me, you know, was able to lift me up. And I think oftentimes people are afraid, like I said, to, to do that first lean in, but I have found every single time I have leaned in, the doors have opened in so many different directions. So I just really always encourage everybody to, to not stay so zoomed in. When we stay so zoomed in, it, it 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 doesn't do anybody any good. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. So basically, to if there's something that you want to do, it sounds like you found somebody to do it. Me and or maybe I don't know. Did you even did you know that you wanted to start a podcast before? Because I I remember us talking that you just were looking to connect with other social workers. So was podcast something on your radar? No. And, you know, when we're talking about the zooming in, you said when I was growing up, I, I even, I thought I would, I wished and I dreamed to have my own private practice. But like I said, that was, you know, four walls and a door and office hours. And um, if I stayed zoomed in like that, I never would have found the company that I have now, you know, and have had for five years, I now have 25 coaches that work with me. And we're working to try and help empower another thousand people this year. Like we're, we're setting big goals and, and working towards it together and, and leaning in. And, you know, each time we do that, again, zooming out makes such a big impact because you, it, have you ever seen the, the analogy, you know, when you go to buy a car and you're like, okay, I, I think I'm going to get this car, but you've never seen that car on the road anymore before. But as soon as you pick out a car, you see it everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's what we're looking for. We'll find. And when we change, you know, that view, a lot of times there's stuff right in front of us, you know, but, and just like social media is here, it enabled us to find each other. Social media can be used to find so many other things. And to answer your question, no, podcasting was not really ever on on my radar. But for me, finding ways to connect with other people is on my radar. Mm -hmm. And when you and I started talking, I realized this is another avenue to connect with other people. And that's what I want to do. So take the leap. And here we are. And it's amazing. Yes, yes, I love it. And I just love that as social workers, we have so many skills that can be used in so many ways. And to really think outside the box, you know, you you've been a school social worker for so long, you also have a passion for wellness, you know, these skills are transferable, because I'm sure that the knowledge and information you use in your wellness work and therapy work translates and is also used working with the kiddos with the kids. And so, you know, a lot of times going through school, we think, oh, okay, well, you know, I can have this job or this job and, and that's it. 
And once you get there, sometimes it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. You know, you would never know that unless you were there. Uh, but there's so many other ways, and especially now with technology, there's so many other avenues to use our skills in a way to help more people. And that's so amazing that you mentioned you had so many coaches under you. Tell me about about your work. Like, what what is that? What's that about? <laughs> well, I, I have to say, you know, I think, again, it's it. I found, you know, being in a certain place wherever you are, whether it's a school or anything, you know, doing the same thing for 20 years it, it, you end up, you know, hitting different roadblocks and things that you can't control. And when I became a school social worker, the, the idea of having my own practice or my own business kind of went out the door because that tunnel vision of was like, oh, well, I picked my path. Mm-hmm. My path is I'm a school social worker. Yeah. Well, the truth is you don't only have to have one path. <laughs> yeah. We can have more than one, you know, and, and for me, being able to have my wellness business ha- keeps me inspired and motivated on those days when I'm not feeling that way, you know, as a school social worker and vice versa, you know, when I'm not, you know, having a feeling so great in one area, it, you, it benefits from having those other areas, but I never even thought that was an option, you know? So I love that. Um, you know, and when it came to my business, I, I, like I said, I was stuck and, I wanted to really find um, a way to have a community of people to help lift each other up and, you know, be able to talk about what's going on in their day that that's stopping them from progressing towards their goals. Um, You know, like I said, as caregivers, we often forget about ourselves until we're empty. And and I work with them to, to really reframe and reframe their mindset and to fill their other fill their cup up by fill others up by overflowing their cup. And we really just keep leading and empowering one another. And it's been such an inspirational thing. I, I it started with one of my friends saying, sure, Christine, you know, uh, I'll exercise with you. Uh, you know, I'm not feeling too great today. And I was like, really? Okay. And that's what it's been. We've, we've, we've reached, you know, close to a thousand last year. We're going to try and beat that goal this year. And it's, it's, I think just as a social worker, you love helping other people and it inspires me to keep doing more, you know, as they're doing more. Yes. I love that. And it sounds like your passion, your passion project, if you will, keeps you from getting burnt out with your social work work would is that true is that is that accurate yeah and 100 percent. you know what and it keeps me burnt out from um parenting it keeps me burnt out from being a wife and it keeps me burnt out in all other areas because we are a large community we are you know so we have different different groups we've got moms we've got runners we've you know got all different areas to to help lift each other up so if i'm feeling stressed or burnt out in a certain area i have support 24 7 and and that's the access that we wanted to give people to not that you know regardless of the time or day that they're alone Hmm. i love that yes yes that's so important even just knowing that you have that support when you need it is comforting you know just knowing that it's there and knowing that you're not alone Yes, and, and, and really creating a hub of resources for people to go to in one, one area, you know, so 
we get to focus on all aspects, not just, um, you know, the physical aspect. We focus a tremendous amount on our mindset. Uh, personal development for me has been a game changer to keeping me from getting stuck. And I encourage every social worker, if you're not doing personal development, you should be doing personal development because we are all a constant work in progress. Um, and for me, that passion there gets ignited in in my groups because we just get to continue to talk about all different areas and how people handle different situations which enables them to realize that there are other options mm-hmm, for sure yes so I'm kind of wondering you know what advice do you have for new social workers who are just starting out on their career um, one of the biggest things like I said is to to think outside the box not to stay so zoomed in on one path. You know, social work, the field of social work doesn't have a label of just school social worker, medical social worker. You know, you can use your social work tools to impact people all over the world in so many different ways. And to continue to lean in, like, like your podcast right here, a network of social workers, lean in, brainstorm with one another, because I think the more that we work together to lift each other up, the bigger impact that we can have. And as a social worker, you know, my passion for that more macro change um, has really been ignited. And I think that the more that we as social workers show that, you know, these things are possible, the more that we can empower others to continue to live their best lives. And, um, you know, That's about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's so true. There is power in numbers and the tide rises all boats. Those are my Mm -hmm. corny quotes. (laughs) My corny inspiration. Yes. Um, Yes. There's an abundance in the universe. Yes. There is more than enough space for all of us. And honestly, Christine, I mean, the world needs like ethical, good hearted people who are just willing to help, able to put their message out there and just providing that good ethical service and support. You know, we need that. We can never have too many of, of those people. Exactly. So, you know, keep leaning in search, you know, if it's social media, search for the information that you're looking for. And if you have questions, ask, you know, for, for me, reach out to me any single time I will, you know, help any way that I can for any new social workers that are out there or social workers that are feeling burnt out that have been in a practice for 20 years. It doesn't even have to be new social workers. I think, you know, the, the more that we come together, the better that we can help one another. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Christine. Where can people find you and reach out to you? Of course, um, they can reach out. I have a website. It's christinekennedywellness.com. Um, I'd love to, to hear from everyone who's listening to this. And if you have any questions, you can email me at small steps because I'm a believer in those small, tiny steps lead to a big impact. So it's small steps, 22 at gmail.com. And I am on Instagram at christine.kennedy.wellness as well. And all of these links and notes will be in the show notes. And with that, thank you so much. Did we cover everything, Christine? Anything else you wanted to leave us with? No, I think I think we I think it, that was great. I thank you so much once again for for this opportunity and 
I can't wait to continue to connect with the social workers that are that are following your podcast. And let's keep working together to keep making this the best place we can. Yes, yes. We were just getting started. And I'm so excited that you're here with me, Christine. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.